Dan Tortora. And as I was telling Isaac off the air, I could proudly say that I came to you live today at night. We came to you at 9 a.m. this morning and at 9 p.m. tonight. So <laughs> hope you're having yourselves a wonderful evening. And uh, I we got a lot in store. We got a lot of great stuff coming up on Tortora and Alfred, Isaac Alfred, myself, Dan Tortora. And of course, the game that's coming up is Syracuse at Purdue, their first road game of the season after starting out the season 2-0, and 65-0 against uh, Colgate, and then 48-7 against Western Michigan, which means for those of you playing the home game, 113-7, they have outscored their opponents, and uh, most of the Syracuse media wants to know about that one play <laughs> and what went wrong in that seven points, where West Virginia, or Western Michigan, pardon me, led the game for 30 seconds. A little bit over 30 seconds of the game. So I'm happy to be here with you. Going to talk about Syracuse at 2-0, how they've started off the season, going on the road, and so much more. And, of course, we will remember uh, Mike Williams, who passed away at the age of 36, uh, unfortunately, uh, this week. So how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, definitely uh, bad news to hear about Mike Williams passing. And I know, like you said, we are talk about that and stuff, but um, not doing pretty good. And, you know, Syracuse is off to that 2-0 and start, um, kind of like you said, at 113-7. Uh, I kind of was looking at that, too, around the ACC. We've yeah. outscored Florida State by two. I think I told you that. And um, defensively, you know, still the fewest points. I think Duke has two games so far has given up 14 points. So just kind of comparing our stats with other – Teams in the teams league, there, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like you said, the first road game of the year, you know, time for Dino and the, the gang to get on the plane and fly out, you know, and, and see what they can do, take their uh show on the road, and, yeah, uh, see what they can come back with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's exciting, obviously, the fact that they're going to have this first road contest to kind of get a feel for who you are, right? Because mm -hmm. no matter how good you are at home. You got to prove it on the road. Mm -hmm. And now that they have an opportunity to go on the road at Purdue, uh, there's some fans that look at this game and they're relatively concerned. There's other fans that are saying, you know, this is a dub and, and I don't think anything comes easy. And I think, you know, for this Syracuse team, you, <clears throat> you definitely can't buy into any type of hype. You got to stay locked in. You got to stay focused. I think there's some good leadership on the team this season. And I think as they carry it forward, there's the opportunity and the potential to have a special season, but you have to take it one game at a time. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking about that too. Um, you can't take it as likely. I mean, Big Ten opponent, um, they're going to be physical. I think Dino even mentioned that. And, you know, for what happened last year in the Dome against Purdue, you know, the way that game ended, you know, great victory for Syracuse in the winning the seconds of that game. But, you know, winning is tough, man. I was just thinking about that. And, yeah. and I was thinking about coming like, oh, man, is the team on a high where they're like, okay, yeah, like you say, some fans. I don't, I don't know if the team doesn't get into that kind of, you know, yeah, we're that good, and you know, they, I think they respect the opponent no matter who they are and, and what and whatnot. So, but you just think, you know, last year they start off six and zero, and then they go into that slump, yeah, and that just proves you how, how hard winning is, you know, and you know, you're gonna go on the road into somebody else's. Um, you know, stadium and, and their crowd late night, you know, they're going to be ready for you. And, it's, and like I said, given everything that happened last year. So, um, yeah, winning is never, never easy. And um, those guys going to have to follow the lead of the senior leadership. Those guys that have been on the team already, you know, and maybe some of the guys, I, I think I heard comments last year about the six and old start. And it was like, yeah, we just thought we was not that they were saying that it was that good, but sometimes you get accustomed to winning, and then when the losing starts happening, yeah, that's when you really got to keep the room together, keep the locker room together, and, and keep fighting through it. But um, sometimes those the crowd, the fans, and that's what fans can do. We can say whatever we want, you know. Yeah, this is going to be a blowout. Yeah, that's nobody, you know. But you know. When you're out there on the field, that's a whole totally different animal like that. You can't just say, yeah, just chalk it up to a victory. Yeah, you know, and, and I, th I think ultimately, uh, you know, what it what it comes down to is that you got, I mean, like you said, you got to stay locked in, you got to mm -hmm. stay focused, and you can't, you know, rest on, okay, well, we did this last mm -hmm. week or, you know, this this is what happened. 
you know, this past week or whatever it may be. You, you have to look at the opponent that you have in front of you. And as simple as it sounds, it's something that you really have to key in on and remind yourself and remind your teammates of like, okay, yeah, we're two and oh, but we're two and oh against, you know, teams that weren't ranked. And, and as we go forward, you know, our season is going to get more difficult. There's going to be teams that we've seen before. There's going to be teams that know us and understand us. And even though Syracuse doesn't have to play Wake Forest uh, every single season anymore, for some odd reason, they're still on the schedule for this, for this, uh, this season. And, and nobody, uh, in my opinion, has adjusted better to Dino at halftime than Dave Clawson of Wake Forest. And I say that every season, but I'm going to keep saying it until something proves it otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's a game that's coming up. Uh, Clemson, even though, you know, people look at them and say they're not as good of a team as they were last year, they're still a tough out. Yeah. And, you know, they got to play for, Florida State in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. And Florida State, I think, is, is a nightmare this year. I've been talking about Florida State for a while. I've been telling you all about Florida State and Mike Norvell, and maybe some people are listening now because now it seems to be the talk of the town that Florida State's got a pretty good team. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is something that I had anticipated and, and talked about when Mike Norvell came in four years ago. So, I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy road to this, and Syracuse has an uphill battle. And the other part of it, too, that people forget about is, you know, Syracuse over time has become a better road team. But there was a time where Syracuse was a really, really bad road team, mm-hmm. like a one in five road team. Right. So, you know, have they have they improved? Yeah. But I think, you know, every season's a new season and and going to play Purdue, uh, whether you think Purdue is a good team, uh, you know, a, a team that is, you know, do, some people I think a lot of times they don't give Purdue respect. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the notion of, you know, it's Purdue, it's not Michigan, it's not Ohio State, it's not, right. you know, Wisconsin, it's not Penn State of the Big Ten. But Purdue still has to play those teams, mm-hmm. so they have to recruit that way. And we know the Big Ten builds in the trenches, mm-hmm. and you got some big old guys, you know, offensive and defensive line, and they know what it's like to to try and bruise you and to, you know, just drain the time and play that gritty trench type of offense and defense. So I, I think Purdue, no matter what type of season they're having, is is never going to be an easy out, especially on the road. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking the same thing. Or coming into the season, I was like, man, playing that Purdue team, you know, Aiden O'Connell, you know, the tight end, all those guys. I'm like, man, but those guys left, you know. And I was like, man, so maybe the return trip won't be as daunting. But then I had to think to myself again, well, there's the transfer portal. Yeah, you know, they do still have some good athletes on that side of the ball, you know. So, and uh, I, I had a chance to watch the Virginia Tech game last week with Purdue, and lo and behold, <laughs> the transfer from Texas, Yeah, the, you know, he's a pretty good quarterback, you know, and I was like, okay, so this is not going to be an easy walk. Or and what the transfer portal, like you was talking about, is free agency or whatever. Yeah. You got a chance to bring in somebody with experience, you know, um, the talent, you know, it's not like, now you're just bringing in the backup to O'Connell and saying, all right, this is your year to start. Now you're bringing in a kid from another program and saying, all right, we're going to let you take the rock and sling it around the yard and whatnot. So, yeah, you just got to be careful because uh, you never know how well, you know, a team can rebuild themselves sometimes. But um, it's definitely going to be a physical game. So that's why I want to see how this Syracuse team handle it. And I like – don't get me wrong. I, I think we got a lot of talent on our team too. I do like – what we bring back to the table, experienced quarterback, you know, some receivers that are hungry. Yeah. They're ready to prove themselves. A defense that, to me, is advertised. You know, I haven't seen them take a step back just yet. Yeah. But now you're going to start playing some receivers and a quarterback that can probably, you know, really, really test your defense. So you can kind of see how Rocky Long adjusted that style of uh, offense and whatnot. So. That's going to be a key to me, seeing how well they adjust to uh, what Purdue wants to do to them. Well, and I think that people need to understand, too. I mean, like you talk about the transfer portal, you're not necessarily saying next man up. You're Mm -hmm. saying guy who just lost the starting job, Mm -hmm. guy who's had experience in the Big 12, guy who's had experience in the SEC. Right. You know, I mean, Sam Hartman's playing in his 11th season in college football (laughs) this season. 
for Notre Dame. And, and, and this is the thing that's frustrating to me is here's Sam Hartman at Wake Forest making a name for himself, uh, probably going to get a look in the NFL and helping Wake Forest to move forward and have successful seasons. Then he decides with his final year of eligibility, I'm going to go to Notre Dame. I'm going to try and help out Notre Dame. And, 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 and what I don't like is Wake Forest is, is viewed as a small guy. Yeah. And Notre Dame is this big fish. And then here's this, you know, I don't think Wake Forest is a small fish. I'm saying what, what I typically hear people say. Right. Nationals. And, right. Mm-hmm. And so you see Wake Forest as this place that's disrespected and Notre Dame that's held on this high esteem, no matter what their record is. You know, people will make excuses for them at 0-12 that won't say anything good about a team that's 10 and a Syracuse team that's 10 and 2. So mm-hmm. it's it's essentially like it's leaving the Mon Pop shop for the corporate store. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like, you know, he did. And and I'm not trying to knock Sam Hartman because I want him to do well, but I'd rather see Wake Forest with Sam Hartman beat Notre Dame than Notre Dame beat Wake Forest as a Notre Dame player. Yeah, and I, low key, I was kind of rooting for Hartman last year with Wake Forest because they had a decent start too. And I was like, man, because you know how the college playoff is. It's like yeah. we only give respect for, you know, a few teams in that league. And I was like, man, I would like to see them upset some guys yeah. and see what they really going to do at the end of the season. Were they going to say the ACC was down because Wake Forest is on top, whatever yeah. the deal may be. But, yeah, yeah, they lost a couple of games here and there. But I, I totally agree because – now and it's funny, like you just said, that you would rather see Hartman with Wake beat Notre Dame, but guess what? On the schedule, yeah, Notre Dame's playing Wake Forest is just how, how does that feel? <laughs> you coming back to yeah. play against your old teammates and stuff like that, and we already know how that whole we had that discussion offline about the whole uh, transfer of players. You know, we had a uh, once upon a time get a, a guy from Miami, but Miami blocked them and said, "Oh no, we're gonna play you that year." <laughs> The next year, we don't want that guy to go to your school. So, yeah. you know, so it's funny how things come full circle now, and then you can see that with the transfer portal. Yeah, and I, I mean, now you can essentially, like like we talked about, I mean, you can you can go anywhere you want. Now, I don't agree with the fact that coaches could have told you in the past, you know, you could transfer, but you can't go here, exactly. here, here, and here, because I've had guys on my show that were at Syracuse that felt like no matter what they did, they were told you got to follow this, follow this, follow that. They did all those things, and they still didn't get the starting job to the point where there was one of the running backs I had on the show. Dungy stuck up for him, mm-hmm. and the guy said that like Dino went over to Dungy and was like, "Do you want like basically like do you want to play?" Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so back off of you know this guy's story, and then here's this guy trying to look at where he can go, and he has two or three teams on his list that wanted him and Dino hands him a paper that has those three names. You can't go to any of these schools if you transfer. So he can't stay here. He can't transfer to the people that wanted him. So then he ends up going to a school he doesn't want to go to. Right, right. And yeah, and that, I mean, it, it goes both ways. It's happened to, for uh, players trying to come into the program here too also. so But yeah, you, you're right, kind of. It's, it's better that the players can have their options. But it's just weird though, like especially in this – especially in the quarterback room, you know, the, you know how important a quarterback is to a team. And now, you know, yeah. hey, I play against that defense all practice my whole career. So I kind of know their personnel. Yeah. You know, so, I mean. And when you can leave <laughs> after the spring or you can leave in the middle of fall camp, you know, it, I'm it, if I'm Miles Farmer, I'm not saying this is just an example. Right. If I'm Miles Farmer and I get suspended from Nebraska and I feel some kind of way about it, I'm a defensive back that's been on the team. I just went through spring ball, going through fall ball. They're not letting me play this season, but I got the playbook. And what's going to stop me from coming to Syracuse and saying, hey, like let's say Nebraska was on the schedule mm-hmm. and saying, hey, this, this, and this. Like, you know, any anybody who leaves an ACC team and goes to play Notre Dame, Notre Dame is basically an ACC when it comes to their schedule. Right. So when you look at it, it's like Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame now Sam Hartman's coming to Notre Dame and Sam Hartman has played Pete. So he's, he knows what wake does. Mm-hmm. He's played Clemson. He's played Louisville. He's played BC. He's played Syracuse. He played Florida state. So now you're getting this guy that not only has wake forest playbook, but he's had all this experience playing all these other teams from inside of the conference. And I mean, you could play that to your advantage. So I, I look at things like that when a guy from Alabama leaves it right spring ball ends on Sunday. He leaves the team on Monday and now he's a Gator. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you think he's not going to share that? Yeah, so that's the name of the game. Uh, 
Yeah, it's I, like having a spy in plain sight. Yeah, you get that in professional sports too. We cut you this week, and guess who's getting picked up on the practice squad next week somewhere else? Yeah. And then it, what? Maybe after that week's game, you're like, oh yeah, we're cutting this guy again. Um, but I bet you they yeah, ask that guy, it. "Hey, what what do you know about this personnel group?" Da 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 da. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. Um, doesn't sit well, but yeah, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough situation because I I was like really interested in the uh, Notre Dame NC State game, but again, Hartman already seen NC State over every season. Time. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like he was they were in be the shocked. same division. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't going to be shocked by anything they did. So now, by the way, he's on a better team, better offensive line. Better running back, you know, well, not you know, better, but you know what I'm saying. Guys that yeah. are capable, hundred and ten thousand people in your stadium, yeah, bigger so. <laughs> donors, more opportunities for NIL. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank God they're not on our uh, schedule this year. So hey, yeah, we got you got Pitt in the uh, in Yankee Stadium in November. Mm-hmm. So taking a look as we as we get into Syracuse here in this edition of Tortora and Alfred. Speaking on college football and, of course, Syracuse football in this Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora special coming to you on all of our channels that we are on Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time in our regularly scheduled programming, YouTube.com and Facebook.com, where you're watching and listening in the morning and now, both backslash Wake Up Call DT and on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. And so uh, taking a look at the big picture before we get deeper into Syracuse, the AP and the coaches poll came out and I got to look back on it. I mean, for the first time in forever, hashtag frozen for the, for the first, <laughs> for the first time in forever, Clemson is not ranked in the AP top 25. They are 26th in the nation and they got 88, 86 votes to get in. They're not in, they fell out even though they beat Charleston Southern 66 to 17, the top, Ranked teams here. We have Georgia, <clears throat> who hasn't moved. Michigan, who hasn't moved. Big surprise. Florida State, who went up from, I believe, nine to five when they beat LSU and from five to three. And I think they're the best team in the nation, arguably, right now, based on who they mm-hmm. played. Not saying that heads up, they're better than Georgia. I'm saying right now, I think they should be the top team uh, in the nation. Texas has risen up to fourth after beating Alabama. Mm-hmm. They got as many votes for first place as Michigan did. They both got two. Florida State got three votes for first place. Uh, Georgia got 55. This is all talking about the AP. Uh, USC is fifth. Ohio State is sixth. Penn State is seventh. Then Washington. Notre Dame. Alabama dropped seven spots to 10. And in their loss to Texas, Tennessee dropped two, even though they're 2-0. and oh. And then we have Utah, Oregon, LSU, Kansas State, Oregon State, Ole Miss, Colorado uh, going up again here. Four spots with Deion Sanders and the crew uh, up to 18 in the AP. Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Duke are back-to-back. Then Miami, three ACC schools in a row, not named Clemson. Washington State, UCLA, and Iowa. So there are four ACC schools ranked in the nation's top 25 in the AP, not named Clemson. Mm-hmm. In the coaches poll, it's snake eyes through the top three. Then Ohio State is, th- is four instead of six. USC is the same. Texas is six instead of four. Then Penn State, Washington. Tennessee moves up a couple spots in the coaches poll to nine. Alabama, 10. Notre Dame, 11. Utah and Oregon are in the same spots, 12 and 13. LSU is in the same spot. Kansas State. Then Oklahoma's up to 16. Oregon State's up to 17. Or pardon me, down to 17, a spot. Uh, North Carolina, then Ole Miss, then Duke, then Colorado, who's 21st in this poll instead of 18. Then Clemson stays in the coaches poll. Uh, 23, Miami, 24, Iowa, 25, UCLA. And uh, just worth noting here, Cincinnati got votes. James Madison got votes. Tulane got votes to be in the top 25 of both of these. Syracuse, uh, not a single vote. Dropped from the rankings of the AP are Wisconsin, Texas A&M, Tulane, and Clemson, and dropped from the coaches polar Wisconsin, Tulane, and Texas A&M. Your thoughts on the rankings so far? No, they seem all right so far. I mean, I don't get too caught up in them this early, but it's kind of interesting. I was going to ask you what you thought about, you know, 
Dion is doing what he's doing down there in Colorado, but yeah, it's almost kind of like some of these teams in the beginning of the season is based on, in my opinion, who the coaches are. Yeah. You know, I kind of look at Oklahoma. Yeah, the coaches poll still has Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> and then I look at uh, Oklahoma and what kind of season they had, and they're already yeah up in the top, not top part, but the back end of the top 25. So, you know, uh, some of that stuff is going to shake itself out. Um, uh, Syracuse did get, what, nine votes in the coaches poll. So we're kind of slowly working our way up, but – it's early. I, I was really surprised with the Texas Alabama game. I was in my mind. I was like, "Yeah, I think you know this probably is going to be a, a precursor to what Texas can expect in the SEC in the near future." But lo and behold, we see the surprise, surprise. But I don't think Alabama's the Alabama of yet. They can get better though, because I think with the, the, the new quarterback position, the person that's playing now, yeah, he's going to have what Milton or something. But he's going to have his times to get adjusted to to the speed of game, but I was kind of, like I said, taken back on that one. They come into Tuscaloosa and put it on them like that. So, um, but Michigan's going to stay up there until Ohio State play them, you know, or Penn yeah. State, you know. They just keep them both at the top yeah. every year, and then whoever beats the other person and has one loss or stays undefeated goes to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. It's staged to succeed for the Big Ten. Exactly. So. And, and, and again, Michigan uh, beat East Carolina, which I know, you know, from covering them, they've gotten better under Mike Houston, mm-hmm. but they're unranked and they beat UNLV. Right. You know, it's, and so, and they beat them both. And again, at home and Michigan, we talk about their season and we talk about last season, this season, they start off the last season at home for a bunch. They got four straight home games and I don't know how the Big Ten does this. Ohio State played eight home games last year. <laughs> I was just going to say that. So I four, thought you were looking at Ohio State schedule yeah. for a second. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> so Michigan, Michigan's got four home games, two road. Then it's home, road, home, road, road, home. So they start off at home like this to build it up. Ohio State this season. Let's see what Ohio State. They had at Indiana. and that, So there's a little different. Home, home, road, home, road, home, road, road, home, home, road. But last season, uh, keep in mind, folks, like we said, they played eight home games. Some people play six. And mm-hmm. this season they have one, two, three, four, five. They have six th- this season at home. Yeah. And it's amazing how they're not – I was kind of looking at their non-conference. All, it seemed like all their non-conference besides, in this case, yeah. Notre Dame, but they're always at home. Right. And look at who they're playing. <laughs> Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, at what point – and they're playing nine uh, instead of eight – or pardon me, yeah, nine instead of eight uh, conference games. Mm-hmm. So now they're playing even more games in the Big Ten, which means they're playing even more games against unranked teams. Right, right. Because yeah, because yeah. yeah. what, we got, what, three now? It's always the same. Penn State, no. Penn State, Ohio State, uh, yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, that's it. So that's that's what they got now. I mean, taking a look around the country at at some of this stuff here. I just let everybody know uh, the Memphis Tigers are the only undefeated team in the New Look American Athletic Conference, which has fourteen schools for the first time ever. And uh, next year they'll have thirteen when SMU leaves. They have 14 currently right now, mm-hmm. and uh, every, majority of them are 1-1. One one. East Carolina is 0-2, and North Texas in their first season in the American is 0-2. Uh, Duke is at the top of the ACC, which is interesting to see here. Uh, BYU is at the top of the Big 12 with Cincinnati and Kansas, Kansas State and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and Texas, and UCF, all 2-0. With the new look there, we talked about the Big Ten. Uh, Conference USA, Liberty is not independent anymore. They're at the top of Conference USA with Jacksonville State and uh, Louisiana Tech. The independents, there's only four now. Uh, UConn, UMass, Army, and Notre Dame. Uh, Army is 1-1. One and one. UMass is 1-2. and two. UConn's 0-2. And, and Notre Dame is 3-0. Oh. Uh, in the Mid-American, a.k.a. the MAC, we have uh, only one team with two wins. The Ohio Bobcats are two and one. In the Mountain West, Air Force leads the way. Shout out 
to my great uncle Pat, which one of my fantasy teams is named after World War II in the uh, Air Force, my uncle Pat, and it's called Uncle Pat's Bandits. Uh, Air Force, Florida, or Fresno State, part of me, and Wyoming, all 2-0. Fresno State with a win over Army in the first week this season. Uh, Pac-12, USC is 3-0. Colorado, Oregon, and Oregon State, as well as UCLA, Utah, and Washington, as well as Washington State, are 2-0. Crazy to think that the only schools in the Pac-12 in the future, as of right now, are Oregon State and Washington State. Everybody else that we're looking at is going to be gone as of what next season. Mm-hmm. So that's that's insane. Am, am I seeing that right? The Pac-12 got eight teams right. The Pac-12 has one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, eight, wow. eight teams ranked. And they're breaking up. And they're all breaking up. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to tell you why they did. I'm going to tell you why they did this. It's like what they did with the American Athletic Conference. I'm like, did they finally let Cincinnati in because mm-hmm. they deserve to be in? Or they announced they were going to the Big 12 before they got in the college football playoff, and they deserved to be in the year before. Mm-hmm. So my thing was, are they in so that they can say, hey, we got a Pac-12 school that was in the college football playoff two years ago. Exactly. So, yeah, you look yeah, at now looking at this, uh, where's USC and yeah, well, uh, UCLA th- going? Well, you got to think about that. Yeah, they, to the Big 10. So now that's two more teams, uh, right? So unfair rankings, <laughs> USC, Oregon, UCLA, uh-huh. and Washington all – ranked and of course uh, USC and Washington ranked in the nation's top 10 why because they're future Big Ten schools which means they have present Big Ten treatment Mm -hmm. and then uh, from nobody cared about the West Coast like that and and they didn't before and they don't make the college football playoff exactly (laughs) so and California and Stanford who are coming to the ACC next year are both one and one in the SEC Gonzaga or Gonzaga, Georgia. Georgia. I'm saying I'm yeah. thinking about basketball. You know what? Gonzaga might be in the SEC after this year. So Georgia is two and zero. Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee are all two and zero. South Carolina and the Gators are one and one. Vanderbilt's two and one in the SEC East. In the SEC West, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State two and zero. Ole Miss, the Lane Train is two and zero. Fly Slam a Jam, Alabama is one and one. LSU is one and one. And Texas A&M, one and one. And here's the funny thing. Alabama and LSU, both are one and one, which would take people out of the rankings or put them down. They're both in the top 14. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Now, they only got five ranked in the SEC, the mighty SEC. Oh, because you got to take care of the Big Ten. You know? <laughs> and they, that's the that's Big what Ten. they do. Yeah, exactly. And then in the Sun Belt, we got uh, Georgia Southern and Georgia State, James Madison and Marshall, two and oh. In the East, in the Sun Belt West, we have uh, Louisiana Monroe Warhawks two and O, which is not to be confused with War Eagle, which makes no <laughs> sense when Auburn is a tiger. It's like, what do the Auburn Tigers do? War Eagle, and it's like, I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense at all. But that's what it looks like across the country right now, and some interesting things that are going on. Uh, I want to take a look at Syracuse's schedule here and i want to take a take a look at purdue so purdue through the first couple games here uh, taking a look at it they lost to fresno state 39 to 35 and when we go back and, and take a look at the box score here a uh, hudson card their quarterback in game one for purdue was 17 of 30 254 yards two touchdowns no interceptions their rushing attack had 109 yards amongst four players their quarterback had six keepers for 29 yards, 4.8 a carry. A Devin Maccabee, their leading rusher, 16 carries, 60 yards, a touchdown, 3.8 yards a carry. Deion Burks led the team with two touchdowns, four catches, 152 yards. And then Abdur Rahman Yassin, four catches, 46 yards. Max Clare, two catches for 22. And uh, there was six players that caught a pass from the quarterback Hudson Card. Uh, Fumble-wise, Maccabee uh, fumbled but didn't lose it here. Uh, Defensively against Fresno State, Purdue had two sacks. Their leading tackler was uh, Dylan Thineman, who had 10 solo tackles and 10 in total. Uh, Kydron Jenkins had one sack in the game. 
Another sack went to OC Brothers, which is automatically one of my favorite names in college mm-hmm, football mm-hmm. right now. And then when we look at Purdue in game two, so that was a game that they lost and their numbers were pretty good. Yeah, but now I've noticed that Fresno State had four passing touchdowns on them. So they kind of, yeah. their passing defense kind of looked like the question here. So, And then on the road, and that was at home mm-hmm. for them. On the road, uh, Purdue at Virginia Tech uh, beat, an, beat an ACC team already. A Hudson card, 24 to 17. They won. He was 23 to 34, 248. No touchdowns, no picks. Maccabee, 21 carries now, a bump up from 16. 95 yards, 4.5 yards a carry and a touchdown. Tyrone Tracy Jr., Tyrone, four carries, uh, 51 yards. Don't clean up your room. One touchdown. And for those of you that don't know what I'm doing, you don't know good television. Uh, Hudson card, 12. 12 keepers, 16 yards, but he did have a rushing touchdown as a quarterback. Max Clare led the team, uh, boosting up and more than doubling his receptions to eight for eight, uh, 64 in this one. And then we had TJ Sheffield, four catches for 60. Abdur Rahman Yassim, Yassin, who had four catches for 58. Deion Burks drops down one catch. So what I'm seeing here on this is Tyrone Tracy Jr. involved in the passing and rushing attack. And what I'm also seeing is that their uh, quarterback, Hudson Card, has spread the ball out where your leading guys from one game to the next mm-hmm. have been very different on Purdue. Yeah, and then also Mockaby is going to be the workhorse for those guys. I mean, he's yeah. the guy that scored that first touchdown against Syracuse defense last year, um, I believe coming into the season when we didn't give up a rushing touchdown into that game. But, yeah, um, they definitely going to spread it around. I think even Card is kind of good on his legs, scrambling. As you said, he second game there, he had a rushing touchdown. So he brings the full package, man. You know, he, yeah. he, he spread the ball around the yard, and, you know, he can get out the pocket and run on you. So the defense is just going to have to keep a, maybe a spy on him or whatnot and then make sure, you know, we're just not letting people get up over our heads and stuff defensively, keep everything in front of us. Yeah. And, I mean, on the other side, for Virginia Tech, uh, Grant Wells, their quarterback, 16-33, uh, threw two touchdowns on Purdue, but also threw two costly uh, interceptions there mm-hmm. against them. They they did well, uh, Purdue, like you talked about, Purdue struggling against the pass. Well, they did well, again, and they allowed 275 yards passing and two touchdowns, but they did well against the run, mm-hmm. allowing 11 yards on 22 carries for Virginia Tech, which is .5 yards a carry. So it'll be interesting to see in this game against Purdue, who has struggled against the pass when Syracuse calls themselves a balance attack. Finally, this season under Dino Babers, the question becomes, can LaQuint Allen and Juwan Price get some things done against maybe a more stingy run defense for Purdue? Mm-hmm. And will Garrett Schrader trust more in his arm? And will guys step up in the absence of Aranda gets in the second? Yeah, you definitely gonna have to see whether they can, the old line can, um, hold at the point of attack, you know, because th- those guys going to be physical on that defensive line. And, um, yeah, it's going to really be a big test. I mean, last game, you know, against Western Michigan, you know, Dino came out and said, hey, they they put the people in the box. And we said, all right, you're going to dare us and stop our run. We're going to go over your head and pass. So that's going to kind of – if we kind of read the, the, the first two games for Purdue, you know, really the uh, passing in the Fresno State game was kind of what – cost them yeah you know so what are they really looking at the Syracuse tape when they see the number of receivers we've had yeah catch passes catch touchdowns you know um really haven't played a full game just yet most of our starters two games in played a total of four quarters and you add it all together so um so yeah it's going to be real interesting to see um you know with the offensive line like you said can open up some holes for the running game and if that's Purdue's game plan, are they going to play maybe, you know. Yeah, are they going to stack the box? Right. Do? Yeah. And then, you know, with Gatson's situation, you know, how does that change their game plan? You know, because we know how dynamic Aranda is. So, but I think we still got some guys that stepped up in the, in the wide receiver room too. So, uh, and you never can always forget Garrett's legs when it comes into play. So, yeah. I mean, and to take a look uh, here, and I think this is smoke and mirrors, but uh, on the depth chart for Purdue, Syracuse has Aronde Gadsden as the starting tight end. Mm. It says, or Maximilian Mang, or Dan Valari, which to me is a telltale sign. If it's 
or amongst the three, that means that Mang and Valari are going to fight for who's going to have it because mm-hmm. Arande's, you know, probably going to be out of this game. Right. Uh, Damian Alford, Donovan Brown, Isaiah Jones. Uh, Donovan Brown coming off of his first career collegiate touchdown, an 86-yard run. He said he was faster on the track. And uh, I think not only did he get his first touchdown, but in answering my question and in his post-game press conference in general after the 48-7 to win over Western Michigan at home. I think, uh, I think he got, I think he got uh, number one for, you know, as far as the first time at the podium mm-hmm. when he, I mean, he, he was like, you know, he swore and, uh, <laughs> and he, uh, I mean, and I love how they were like, you know, what do you think about the receivers? He's like, well, y'all already see it. Mm-hmm. He's like, y'all watch the film. Y'all watch the game. You know what we could do. Mm-hmm. So I think he was one of those guys where like maybe Syracuse forgot to tell him like, be real, but pull back a little bit. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to be 100%. Yeah. And that's it. I'm just going to be real the whole time. Total confidence. I like that about the young man. And and this is another thing that could be smoke and mirrors. Uh, Dino said that David Wallabaugh Jr., the right tackle, he said his injury was going to be a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wallabaugh is still on the roster. Or Mark Petrie, which to me is that telltale. Right. Uh, Jacob Bradford is at right guard. Uh, Joe Moore could be coming here. Jayon Reed, who I covered uh, coming in as a transfer. He's still the starting center. A uh, left guard, Chris Bleich. A uh, left tackle, Enrique Cruz Jr., my running mate for when I run for president. On the defensive side, the defensive ends stay. Uh, Dennis Jacquez Jr. and Caleb Okachukwu. Uh, D tackle stays Kevon Darton. Uh, looking at linebacker, we stay with Leon Lowry. Junior, Milo Wax, Junior, Derek McDonald. Uh, Corners remain Jeremiah Wilson and Isaiah Johnson. Uh, Safety, Elijah Clark and safety, Jason Simmons, Junior. Rover remains Justin Barron. So no changes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Special teams, we got the same. uh, Demarcus Adams, Donovan Brown is the returners. Justin Barron is the holder. Tom Callahan is the long snapper. Stonehouse is the punter. Denenberg is the place kicker. So Really, I think what we're going to see here is who's going to start at tight end. How are they going to work around the receivers to mm-hmm. fit this mold? Will they at some times run without a tight end and add another receiver? And uh, who's going to be the right tackle? Yeah, and what I like about the defensive line, what we saw in the first two games, there's a to me there's like a three-group three rotation that they're – Got some good guys with a lot of experience. They can get in a game and play. And that's where I really – I mean, hopefully, again, we keep our defense off the field. But um, even if push comes to shove, you know, we got a lot of bodies up front that, you know, yeah, Purdue's got a big offensive line, but I think we can match them physical-wise. And we got enough guys that you can put in there that had some game experience that, you know, hey, this is not their first time out there. And they're they going to go out there and keep the offensive line off our linebackers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, and that should hopefully help, you know, uh, the back end of the uh, defense out, you know, with those uh, DBs back there um, being pressured, you know, kept on that island as Dino loves to brag about. You know, you come to Syracuse, you're going to be on that island. So, yeah, you know, this is going to be a good game to test them out and see what they're going to be about. This is what I care about is Syracuse being on that island for a bowl game. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want. Put me on an island for the bowl game. Put me in, put me in the nice weather for a bowl game. That's what we're looking at here. That's the island that I want to be on. So, you know, it's Syracuse moving forward here. What have you seen in the last two games, you know, the first two games of the season here? What have you seen from Syracuse that you think we can actually gauge from Colgate and Western Michigan and outscoring opponents 113 to 7? Do you have a takeaway or two that sticks out? Uh, I like the way Beck calls the game, you know. Um, yeah, I do too. You know, the, the receivers, you know, they go out, they got nice route patterns. It's not just, you know, go deep all the time or swing passes all the time. There's different varieties. Yeah, you know, I think there's plenty of times when they come out in the formation, I look at you in the box and I'm like, Jones over the middle. Yeah. And the Beck's plays Jones over the middle because you kind of see where the defense was lined up, you know. Yeah. So that's one cool thing I like about it. You really haven't shown too much in the running game, but even though uh, LaQuint got his yards and stuff, um, but I don't think they really showed his part in the passing game either. With you know, he's done his runs up the middle and and whatnot, and, and Garrett's kind of watched himself a little bit too. Only 
when the prey gets off schedule that we've seen them run out of the pocket and kind of try to get yards. But uh, I think, you know, again, going back to the way Coach Beck calls the game, Garrett has some confidence in those receivers too to kind of trust them to put the ball in certain spots and, and they go up and get it and whatnot. Defensively, again, like I said, they're to me they're as advertised, you know. Um, I don't think it's a step back from what they were doing under Tony White. Um, and then, like Jason Simmons was saying, hey, you know, Rocky Long is a little bit more aggressive. But, again, that probably goes from different games, you know. You might adjust based on the quarterback play, you know, you know, kind of sit back and play play like they say the game yeah. of chess. With See them. what they give you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Dean, going to some of Dino's words going into this, uh, ross Aid Stadium, uh, he said, quote, it'll be a good experience. We'll get our first travel away from Syracuse, get our traveling team together. Ross Aid Stadium is no joke. I've worked there. It's a big game, natural turf. It might be one of the best natural turf fields there is. We should be excited to go play in the building, end quote. Uh, I do want to get to this because this is uh, important to me. Uh, Dino said this about uh, September 11th as he did his press conference this Monday. He said, quote, I'd like to start off with it being 9-11 to just recognize a tragedy, that tragedy in American history and how we work to overcome all the things that happened since then together for the country. One of the things that we've done in this program for a long time, we've not alerted anyone else to, but I'm going to alert you to now, is our football team, not everyone, our football team newcomers every year for 9-11. We have what we call our annual 9-11 play push. We actually play push 3,000 yards as a team, one yard for every life, 2,977 lives lost in that tragedy. It's something that we do to bring out pride and honor and for the most part, everyone on our football team has done it, including some of the coaches, mm-hmm. end quote. So, I mean, your your thoughts on the fact that uh, Dino says uh, every year for 9-11, we do the 9-11 play push. We play push 3,000 yards as a team. Yeah, I mean, Dino, his background growing up with dad in the military and, you know, for that, you know, event that happened, you know, Sometimes some things you just don't forget, you know what I'm saying? And then he honors it the right way. And then the team, you know, they follow his leadership. So I think, you know, that's a good thing that, you know, they have a special tradition that they do for that in the remembrance of, you know, those who lost their lives in that uh, tragic day. But, um, you know, that's, that's, I wouldn't expect anything less of the coast papers when he came out with that statement. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. And, you know, uh, doing something to honor, those that, that have passed on uh, is extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like there's other uh, leaders in this country that should have done a better job at actually reflecting on 9-11. And I don't know what they did personally, and I don't want to try and prognosticate what they did, but I feel like uh, having an actual honoring moment in New York City mm-hmm. yearly would be the right thing to do. Yeah. So, and if and when I run for president, you can be sure that I will do that. So, <laughs> uh, Babers also taught, so looking at this too, uh, 10 different players caught a pass in the season opener against Colgate. Uh, that's the highest number for Syracuse since 10 players did it last year against UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, six different players caught a touchdown against Colgate, which is the highest single game total in program history. Ten players also caught passes in the win against Western Michigan. So uh, something to be said there. Now the offense obviously clicking through these games. Uh, looking at this, the defense has allowed just seven points, ranked six in FBS of over 130 schools in total defense, allowing 212 yards per game. And the Boilermakers put up 427 yards of total offense in a 27-14 to 14 win at Virginia Tech. Uh, quarterback Hudson Card, who's in his first year at Purdue after transferring from Texas, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mentioned what he did in that game. And uh, Dino said, quote, I can tell you right now, Card is good. The guy is good. There's no doubt about it. He'll be the best quarterback we have faced so far, end quote. And I do want to make a note of this. Check the tape. Last year, I said Syracuse playing Purdue. They're playing a future NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Aiden O'Connell is on the roster for the Las Vegas Raiders. Right, right, Dino also went on to say, uh, anytime you have a change in this staff, it's critical to watch a lot of tape from a lot of places. You have to go back and watch the personnel from the game last year and try to get a feel for them. 
then understand that they're being coached by somebody totally different and they went different. They want different things than they wanted before. It doesn't really make it fair to watch the old tape with the old coaches. So it makes a lot, it may, it makes for a lot of homework on our part, but it's going to be a brand new deal for us. We can't base it off last year. End quote, obviously speaking about the game Mm -hmm. because they beat Purdue in the dome last year and they did it with, you know, Tony White as the DC and, you know, obviously uh, having a different offensive coordinator who's now at, at NC state. I mean, when you look back, you look back on this and you see, you know, what, what it's been like the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinators, those changes are uh, coach and I, Robert and I, uh, last year, I, I like what Dino said, because I mean, your special teams guy was the same, mm-hmm. you know, but, but beyond that, your guys are different. And even though you have, you know, your, your quarterback's coach, Jason Beck is now your quarterback's coach in OC. He wasn't the OC. Right. He wasn't the guy calling the plays. So, you know, I do think it's a totally different game and you have to look at it from that perspective. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's another side of it too, is it's like, yeah, Syracuse came back and beat Purdue last year, but they beat Purdue with two different coordinators that are not there anymore. Yeah. And the same thing goes for Purdue too. I mean, that was the Jeff Brahms offense. He's gone. He's at Louisville now. So right, and a different quarterback. Right, right. So that's the whole thing about what he and their tight that. ends gone too. Yep, and that's what he mentioned. You know, they might have some similar personnel, but they're being asked to do something totally different by a different coach. So you can't just oh, you know, you can look at it and kind of get an idea of what they can do a little bit, but you know, you're gonna have to watch their scheme from other tapes and and whatnot. But um. Yeah, I mean, both teams are being are. You can look at personnel, but both teams are not the same teams from what they were done uh, or, or scheming up last year from from coordinators that has, has moved on in both programs. Right, and uh, and their tight end Durham. Payne Durham, mm-hmm. who was on the Purdue team last year, a big old guy, nine nine catches, eighty three yards, two touchdowns. He's now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. So just to prove to you that they were talented enough, mm-hmm. and people like. Oh, you beat Purdue and they weren't ranked. Who cares? Well, Michigan State beat Purdue and they weren't ranked. And then the next week, coincidentally, Purdue was put in the nation's top 25 to make it look like a good loss. And the week <laughs> after that, they were taken right out again. Yeah. It was like, let's put them in to pretend like Michigan State lost a good game, take them out. Well, just to make note here, Aiden O'Connell is a Raider and Payne Durham is a Buck. Right, right. And then also kind of going back over the numbers that you said, uh, Purdue made a good mention of it. You know, so far they haven't lost a turnover. They had Mockaby with the phone, but he didn't lose it. But right. so that's again, like you have Dino preach this too. We want to win the turnover battle. So again, that's something we're going to have to do in this game because last year, you know, we got that big interception, you know, pick six in that game, and and that made a big difference. You know, it kind of gave us a cushion. But even though Aiden O'Connor, those guys came right on back, took the lead, and. And there was one other thing I didn't see it in the quotes there, but somebody asked Dino, "What do you remember from that game last year?" He was like, "Penalties." Yeah, you know how you know they lost their composure at the late uh, the game and stuff, and you know that gave Syracuse the kickoff. You know from what Purdue had to kick off from like the twenty. 15 yard line and you know oh, they, when they got like five penalties yeah yeah they got like a million yeah. penalties in they the were world. pissed off that they had given up the lead and their guys <laughs> would not stop like making problem on right. them, just like complaining and this or whatever just getting angry and they kept moving them moving them moving them and yeah so yeah, yeah and that was kind of the recipe of the um the upset you know not the upset but a comeback yeah so you know they just gonna have to uh they want to come in there with their A game and, and play um, physical because, again, Purdue, yeah. you know, you might think they lost a lot from last year, but, you know, they still got some guys that can play. I got something to throw at you. This mm-hmm. is what I would say say to someone that, like, if, if, if they are making, like, you know, like you guys aren't ranked in the same world, I'd be like, if it's not an upset, why are you so upset? <laughs> <laughs> so, True. you know, uh, last year – and this is something else to look at. Uh, last year, LaQuint Allen, Juwan Price did not carry the ball. Mm-hmm. It was Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. Uh, Schrader only threw to five players in the game, and three of them, or pardon me, 
uh, four of them will not be playing in this game. Mm-hmm. So of the of 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 the five players that Schrader completed a pass to against Purdue last season in a win at home, thirty-two to twenty-nine, four of five will not be playing. Aranda Gadsden the second, Sean Tucker, Courtney Jackson, Devon Cooper, Isaiah Jones before he got hurt, two catches, a touchdown, twelve yards, and he's been starting off the season well. So hoping big things for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schrader was 13 to 29 for 181 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Syracuse's defense, a lot of the returners uh, have seen Devin Mockabee. Mock- uh, he had seven carries for 22 yards, 3.1 yards a carry, and a touchdown. Syracuse's defense held them to 61 yards on 21 carries, which is 2.9 yards per carry. And we look at uh, the fact that Deion Burks, TJ Sheffield, uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. All these guys are back from Purdue, but again, you know what are they going to look like without Payne Durham? Mm-hmm. What does Syracuse's defense look like without Jihad Carter mm-hmm. and Deuce Chestnut and so on? It's and Garrett yep. Williams. So because Garrett made a big play down the stretch in this game, mm-hmm. I made a few plays. So again, you know it's a different quarterback. But you also have different DBs out there now. Right, right. So everybody's going to experience something totally different from what they seen last year. Um, you know, we had a great DB room last year. So, I mean, you, you can say that some of those guys, some of them part in the NFL, some of them in the SEC. So, yeah, you know, that tells you the, the kind of talent that we had on the back end. So, um, but I think those guys, what we have still going to step up. You know, I, I'm not doubting their, their capabilities, but, um, yeah, I'm just ready to see how well they game plan for them and see, you know, who's going to break first. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, who who's going to make that mistake or mm-hmm. a couple of those costly mistakes. Do you think that the wide receiver room that Syracuse has, and albeit against Colgate and Western Michigan being blowouts, I, I think Western Michigan uh, definitely I expected them to play better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, ultimately Syracuse's defense played really well. And Jason Simmons with a pick six. And uh, his answer to my question, which apparently had an echo chamber, but his uh, his answer to my question about uh, when I had the opportunity to talk with Dino about uh, safety, uh, you know, Jason Simmons Jr. And he said to me in response to this, you could catch us on uh, Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, X at Call DT, uh, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT, and on YouTube.com backslash wake up call DT. Uh, when you go back and, and watch what he said to that, he said he did, he executed exactly what he's, what we do in practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, paraphrasing, but he said, you know, he sped up, slowed down, wait for his blocker, sped up again, waited again, got around the guy, sped up, slowed down. So he said, you know, to actually watch what Jason Simmons Jr. did in this game, that it was nice to hear this. And I'm sure as a coach, he loves seeing it. And as a player, you love hearing this from your coach, is how many times does a coach say he did exactly in the game what we taught him in practice, mm-hmm. which is you know definitely uh, a compliment to Jason Simmons. And also, I'm sure Dino is a proud dad that's got to feel good when your guy doesn't just score on an interception, but he goes almost the length of the field doing what you taught him. Mm-hmm. And I love that play, too, because uh, watching it live, Marlowe started it off with that great uh, non-blindside block, as they teaching it, where it basically get blocked, pick the guy, put your hands up in the air, so the ref know, hey, yeah. I'm not trying to physically blindside this guy, but I'm getting in the way. And then Derek McDonald did the same thing around about midfield. And I think, actually, when I watched the replay of the game, he took out two offensive linemen in his move. And as I watched it go, that was, like, literally in front of us as he was going down the sideline. Yeah, No flags. I'm watching it, watching it. Touchdown, look back, and there's two flags on the, on the carpet. So I'm like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. So, but yeah. then they end up picking it up after realizing what the, whatever the mistake was. But, you know, credit to those, like you said, Dino said they did exactly what they was taught to do. Jason did exactly how he played it out. So, I mean, and I think that's good for the game, too, to kind of take away that blind side. Because I think historically, when not just college, but say NFL how many times have you seen a quarterback throw an interception? Yeah. And either the defensive lineman, maybe linebackers. First, if you're a defensive lineman, it's like, 
where's the starting team quarterback at? Yeah. Take him out. You yeah. know, I, I got to go get him, find him. And normally what you see quarterbacks do, stay on the ground. Yeah. You, you stay out of the play. Yeah. Or if it's a yeah. linebacker, they, they see somebody that's not looking, yeah. time to go get that cheap shot on them. So I'm glad they're trying to take they, that out of the game. Yeah. No, if you're a quarterback and they're returning the ball on you, you do the George Lopez <laughs> in inside of the a new movie, a Blue Beetle. It's like, Mom, they took the taco. <laughs> yes, you fake. <laughs> and then you look around. Am I good? <laughs> you definitely, yeah. Stay out of the fray. Stay out of the fray. But no, I think that's a good thing that both, you know, leagues are trying to take that out of the game. You don't want people giving cheap shots. Yeah. Watch, watch when YouTube saves this video. It's, the picture that's going to use the still shot is my head on the ground. <laughs> yeah. But so speaking of like different things that I wanted to act out today, mm-hmm. Dino being asked about Aronde Gadsden the second and his injury uh, saying, we don't have the information, which to me means they got some information mm. and you know, you and I love Chappelle's show. So I said, you know, if I could make it, but I do my show until 11 and Dino's press conference starts right at 11, Mm -hmm. so I can't make it most of the time, unfortunately, because I'd like to be there, but you can't be somewhere at 11 when your show ends at 11. (laughs) And so, but if I could have been there, what I would have done, because Dino and I have a good relationship, is I would have talked to him beforehand and been like, if you get asked this question, this is what I'm going to do. So Dino would be standing up there and he'd be like, Dino, do you have anything about Ronda Gadsden? And I'd be like this. It's the robot. It's the robot. It's the robot from Chappelle. They're like, oh snap! There it goes again. It's the robot who's supposed to take your focus off. So I would have done that. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like all the news channels locked in on Dino, and then you just see me going. Here you go, coming across the screen. And start doing a little bit of this. A little interference, you know. Well, you look go. at that! Look at that! That's wavy right there. <laughs> I got that's some that's, that's my Hispanic blood. Mom, they took the taco. <laughs> yeah, or Dino just fake passes out, uh-huh. like how my grandma and Kevin Hart's grandma used to do. Yeah, yeah. We all want to answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like, what do you think about around that gasin? <laughs> and then you're like this. We see you looking at. <laughs> I saw you look at me. I saw you look up. So, but. Hopefully, it's not the whole season. Mm-hmm. Wallaba, I'm concerned it's the whole season. Right. But with with Aranda, I'm hopeful in the sense that he was in a boot and crutches, but they kept him on the field, and he was actually walking, or like he was, he was, you know, crutching himself mm-hmm. to the locker room at halftime, and then he went out to the midfield to shake hands at the end of the game, which I respect that very much. So. I would think if it was really serious, they would have brought him in the back, told him to stay there, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't be like going around by himself. Or maybe take him to um, a medical facility, did more, yeah. you know, tests or whatever. You can probably do so much, but I, me, like you said, in my opinion too, is like hopefully they'll just be overly cautious, kind of stabilizing the ankle, whatever. The, I don't, we don't know what it is. They won't tell us what yeah. body part, but you know what? Just <laughs> what part of the body you said? <laughs> But yeah, just making taking precautions that maybe if you can get him off that leg quicker, you know, maybe he recover faster. So could you imagine the media trying to stay focused as the Dino question if I was like right there like this? Daniel, my shot. And Dino be looking at me like, thank you. And, and then at the end, Dino gets up and then we both and we both start doing it. You know, hey, listen, if a coach does the robot, there's a good chance they're not going to have to answer the question. There you go. There you go. That's how I feel about it. But yeah, ultimately, uh, we'll see as we move forward. But hopefully, some good news will be coming. Do you have a prediction for the game? My prediction is a Syracuse win. I don't care how to get it because, I mean, I think it's going to be that real, like you said, it's a road game. Uh, a quality opponent. I mean, I can't really put a score on it because, yeah. I mean, um, I don't say that, yeah, Syracuse are world beaters now. I I, I don't have any uh, – this could be a – you can go either way, but my prediction is we can go in there because I think we got some mature guys on the team that's going to keep the rest of the team focused and go in there with the right attitude, right mindset. Uh, they know what they're up against. They yeah. played these guys last year. So I'm predicting a win. 
I don't have a score for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't want to say, yeah, Syracuse 42, Purdue 20. Because, I mean, this game, think about this game. Yeah. We were up how much in the fourth quarter? I mean, yeah. they scored like 40-something points Yeah, combined or something. Some weird stat like that, the fourth quarter alone, Yeah, total points. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, yeah, we ran away with that game and then – you know, with the grace of penalties, you know, we got ourselves with a good kick return and put ourselves in position. And, you know, again, there was some fourth down conversions in that game last year that, yeah. you know, that kept drives alive. So we're going to have to do all that stuff. It's not going to be just like, yeah, we're just going to roll the ball out there and we're just going to run up and down the field on these guys. Dino and the coaching staff going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, are we going to go for them fourth and short or, yeah. you know, so everything, everything's going to play, and special teams going to play a, a, a factor in the game too. Brady Dedeberg may have to make three field goals in this. Yeah. He may have to make a one down the stretch that's a little bit farther. I was looking at my phone because I wanted to look at the weather out because I just was mm-hmm. I was thinking about rain. Right. Because if it's rain, then I'm feeling like we're under twenty. But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So looking at this game for Syracuse and Purdue. I'm going to say a Syracuse victory. Mm-hmm. But this could be 40-36, 32-30, you know, 24-20. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's I feel like this game is going to be a closer dog fight at times. Maybe Syracuse pulls away at the end, but I think there's going to be a portion of this game where it's going to be somewhat Frustrating to the not Fred, but it's somewhat nail biting. Maybe. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I th- I think I think this is going to be a game where people are going to you're going to have to watch it from start mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. You can't not going to mail it in. Right. You know, I mean, if Syracuse wins this game forty one to seven, then I believe they should be ranked. Exactly. Because you're you're going to rank Michigan State over it or, or help them stay in. So I mean, basically, if anybody beats Purdue in the Big Ten, they're in the top twenty five. <laughs> so give us the same rule and. Uh, but no, I, I think I think Sir, I have Syracuse winning, but I think this game is going to be challenging at times. It's a nighttime game; it's at seven thirty p.m. Mm-hmm. And then you know, uh, in, in such nice fashion to play Purdue on the road at seven thirty, and then to have us come back the following Saturday and say, "Oh, Army hasn't been in the dome in a million years. Let's play at noon." <laughs> you couldn't have given us three thirty mm-hmm. for Army. You know, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But like you just say, it's going to be tough. Two New York teams. Yeah, yeah. Next week, yeah, two New York teams. West yeah. Point. How about this? Where's Purdue? Indiana. Lafayette, Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know what the first exit is after the Dome? Lafayette. <laughs> Hopefully we go further than that when we get on the bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if we against If we against Purdue – go from the Dome to Lafayette, that means that our rushing attack got about 20 yards the whole yeah. game. Maybe. Maybe 18. We, we might see them with some uh, some donuts if, if they go that far. Uh, let me tell you something. Insomnia cookies, you have no reason to not have your cookies ready this week. This is, this is an away game, and if Isaac and I show up and we're the only two people on Marshall Street and you tell me all you got is sugar cookies, I'm going to go to the back and make my own damn cookies. <laughs> I'm gonna charge myself a dollar. There you go. That's it. You're gonna you're gonna raise me four dollars and not have my damn cookies ready after a five hour game where the officials were playing who could throw the the most flags in the game. It was ridiculous. It was. It made absolutely no sense. It was like when you go to the fair and you buy a bunch of those balls to try and get it in the goldfish thing. That's what they were doing with the flags. It was like they were trying to win a goldfish at the fair. I was like, these people know I got to be somewhere. I know they know that. It never works in your favor when you got to be somewhere. Oh, no. When I have to be somewhere and then they're like, Dan, you're late. And I'm like, I want to talk about it because I wasn't. (laughs) I could have been early. It's not my fault. You know? And I was like, oh, I got to get to this event by 630. I probably get there by 730. I got there at 819 Mm -hmm. because they had to play a a friggin' one hour first quarter. What happened to the fast clock and all this other stuff? (laughs) What happened in the clock against Wagner when it was like, the second half will be three minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Let's go to the – let's talk about this in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, what? and I love being – don't get me wrong. I love being at the game. It's just the 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 knowing you have to be 
at another place that's so mm-hmm. close to the other time and wanting to make sure that you keep your word to everybody. Yeah. So that's what it was. So we keep our word to you. Tortora and Alfred are with you all season long here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We thank you for hanging out with us where sports truly meets that thing called life. And of course, you can tune in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora during our normal broadcast hours, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube.com and Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT and on WakeUpCallDT.podbean.com, internet streaming radio worldwide. You could search us on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Podvine, Spotify, TuneIn, YouTube by searching Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora or one word, Wake Up Call DT. And a big time thanks to our incredible partners, Carvel DeWitt, the Wildcat Sports Pub, GG Cards and Breaks, Mod Paws, Kettle Corner Popcorn Factory, 317 at Montgomery Street, located just minutes from the Dome and the best place for you to go on game day and on the weeks that are not game day, like against Purdue. It's better for parking, awesome food, close enough to the Dome, but far enough away from all like the craziness. Mm. Head to 317 at Montgomery Street, which is the name of the restaurant and the name of, loca- of the location in downtown Syracuse. Chick-fil-A Cicerone, Chick-fil-A Clay, Canine Camp Dog Daycare, PB&J's Lunchbox, Pizza Man, Canine Campground Dog Boarding, Avacoli's, Great Lakes Honda City, and Mother's Cupboard, where you can get a Cuse McMother, perfect for any game day and all week long, seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at 3709 James Street in Syracuse at Mother's Cupboard, a Syracuse staple Find them right there for the Cusmic Mother, bacon, egg, and cheese inside of two pieces of French toast. Pick it up and eat it like a sandwich. Cut it up and have it with some syrup. And, of course, we're proud to be the exclusive multimedia marketing partner of your Lemoyne College Dolphins, Brian and Stratton College Bobcats of Syracuse, and the Alfred University Saxons. Final word? Let's go to get a victory, get some cookies, and... Uh... We're, yeah. we're going to get some cider donuts. That right? too. There you go. So, cider donut time. Cider is going to be an event. Just yeah. put it that way. Yeah, Saturday is going to be an event, and they don't play till 7.30, which means Isaac and I will be in going buck wild in upstate New York. <laughs> and, and we're going to be going past Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And hopefully they will too. So we'll see what happens here. And they're going to have to be going way past Lafayette when, when they're playing Cal and Stanford <laughs> coming up here. So excited about what it is here with Syracuse. And we both have chosen Syracuse to win their game on the road at Purdue in this home and home series last season and this season for Tortora and Alfred and Wake Up Call. We thank you for watching and listening. Thanks, brother, for everything. Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, X, the former Twitter, at Call DT, and of course, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. And we will see you soon. I'll see you in the morning. I hope you have a great night. God bless. No stress. Do your best. And if you remember nothing else from today, they took the taco. (laughs) We'll talk with you soon. Be good.